Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another Chills with TFC session. In this series, we hope to bring on interesting, relevant people to help us learn better from various perspectives. Life is not always about learning from people that you already agree with. Perspectives shape a rounder thinker. So in our pursuit of the life we love while managing our finances well, our guest for today runs one of the largest financial blocks in Singapore. He has successfully, quote-unquote, retired and he even publishes his portfolio holdings on his website. That means you can go to his website and see everything that he owns in the stock market. So let's welcome Mr. Keith Ng from InvestmentMotes.com. Hi, Reggie. <laughs> cool, welcome. I think one thing that is very popular these days is the mm. idea of early retirement. Ah, okay. All right. So yeah. do you think early retirement is a fad? You know, uh, <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you think of early retirement as an idea? I think it's a good idea. An idea that, that I think a lot of people, if you put it in front of people, right, uh, a lot of people want it but there's a lot of people have misgivings because it's so far-fetched. It sounds like too astonishing that they couldn't achieve it. But I think it is a good pursuit for a lot of people because when you go through that process to learn to be, I think more of being financially independent than trying to get to early retirement. And if you go through that process, right, you realize that you learn a lot of things. First, firstly, I think in order for you to get to there, right, you need to manage your money well you need to uh, learn how to earn more. And in order to earn more, right, you've got to be a, a, quite a good worker or you have to be like, uh, think about those kind of business ideas. And in order to, to get there, a large part of the process is also to build up different disciplines. The, the main one is like what you really want in life because um, you, you go through that process, you understand if you can prioritize things and when you can prioritize things, I think it's, that is always, always a good pursuit. Mm, so now, the issue with early retirement, right, is that um, after a while, you realize those people that early retires, right, there's a lot of free time. You cannot possibly not do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yes, 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 it's true. So even if you look at all the <laughs> podcasters or, or, or those bloggers, they're still like earning some money here and there and, mm. and all. Mm. But I think the, the key thing is that when you reach that, that financial independence stage, your work becomes optional. If let's say you want to do something, but the job doesn't pay so well, right? Then you, you are able to do it because you're already financially independent. Mm. Yeah. So essentially you have the choice. Yeah. You can do all those things that you want. Yeah. Right. But at that point in time when you started, right? Like mm. what do you actually want? And what do you wanted to achieve? Actually I wanted just to be financially secure. Because a lot of times, our money stories, right, uh, is quite affected by when we're young. Mm. Some, some of the traumatic experience and all. And when I grow up, it's not like I'm super poor, but it's like my mom has to think about a lot of these things for us. So after a while, you look at them, think about all these things, you also start thinking about those things and you've been counting money all, all your life and all. So when I started, let's say when I graduated, the, the goal wasn't so big. The goal was just, all right, let's, 
let's build up to maybe 135,000. I'm not sure why is it 135,000. <laughs> I see my pay then. I, I see what's a comfortable sum that I can set aside every month. And then 10 years later, can you get to 135,000? Then can get to 135. Okay, so that's my goal. Lah. But the general idea is that if you build up 135,000, you can reach a certain level of security. You get yourself further and further away from that situation where anytime you've been let go, right, you face challenges. And when I started work back then, it was like just post us 204. So <laughs> the, my cohort before me, right, even if they're IT, they couldn't find jobs. So the mindset at that point, right, is like you didn't even think there's a thing called pay increment because if you have a job, it's quite good already. Mm. Yeah. So then your money story has definitely changed over time, right? Do you feel still being shackled down by the original money stories in your head? In a way, yes. I think, I think, I think that kind of uh, that financial insecurity, right, when, when you're young, right, it somehow it will affect you in a certain way. And we see it in our work as well because we also work with um, high net worth clients and all. And there, there's a few, few of them, you realise that technically speaking, because we know how much is considered well-off and not well-off, right? We realize that technically they are well-off, definitely. But they have a problem sometimes spending money, sometimes um, stopping work because they were affected by their money stories when they're young. So to a certain extent, that colors things. But one other thing that will balance it off, right, is when you learn about all these investing, finance things, right? Whatever some of the preconceived notions about money, right? you iron them out. So, so this, this balance off a lot of things, which is why someone risk averse can only put their money in fixed deposit. Eventually, you can invest in single companies, you can play options. Yeah, that's how things get better. And, and that's, that's you, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, I mean, everyone can see your portfolio on your website. Yeah. Right. Openly, you disclose your portfolio. We're talking to a millionaire. Yeah. Not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but you are still tainted by the stories. But you yeah. feel much better now because, you know, you're more certain in that sense. Yeah. You have a better understanding. Yeah. Okay. So so that's cool. So at what point? So you started at two thousand four, hmm. and then, right from the get go, you already wanted to you know build your security and you know you, understand all these things. Yeah. You you just build wealth. You you, mm. you have an idea. Okay. You read, because when, when I started, you, you read more on unit trust. When you start investing in unit trust, right, the competency is a bit different compared to individual stock investing because you're thinking about asset allocation, all those portfolio stuff, which for most people, they learn after they do individual investing. So when you learn about that one, a lot of times it's more like uh, you understand the, the aspect of, I think, the financial planning. Uh, earlier, you you see it. Okay, what's what's your expected return? Let's say let's say let's be conservative about five percent. If you know the math behind this one, you can you can work it out. So back then, the idea is just put part of your income away, channel it into your portfolio um, over time, and then when you get some increment, you just um, scale it up accordingly, mm. And then when you get to some somewhere, then you realize that oh, okay. Um, so this is how, how it works. This, this is how things build up. <laughs> so at what point do you feel like, okay, you understand now? How many years into, the, into building this machine of yours? I felt that truthfully, right, it's after 30. I, I started probably around maybe 24. It's like for the first six years, it's like 
it's like you're trying to do, you're trying to learn, but you realize that it's like you're, you're trying to make sense of things. It's only when you're, I think when I'm 30, 31 or 32, when, when I really like, after you look at all the different kind of investing and all the different kind of mess that you did, right? You just focus on <laughs> something that you think that makes sense. You deepen your knowledge there, right? Then you start seeing results. But of course, sometimes it's luck right? because it just so happened the market was calm enough. You cannot remove the, the, the element of luck. Mm. Yeah. So when you say mess, like what are some of the mess they would make? Um, like you just freak out about like in 208, period, right? Um, it's a good opportunity to, to invest. But because you have no one to actually guide you, right? And then there's a lot of cross currents. You're going to hear a lot of things like this is a good opportunity to invest. This is the biggest financial crisis ever. And then everything will be going crazy. And the, the psychology makeup will make you such that you wouldn't put money in. So you actually miss out on a lot of opportunity costs that it, a lot of people made their fortunes back then. So that's some. And of course, if you invest in individual companies, there will be a lot of companies that you invest and then you think that you're investing. Actually, you do not know what, what you're doing. It's like, <laughs> it's like you, when, when something happens, let's say some news, earnings not, not very good, you just let them go and you're, you're not very st stable. Either. So that's why I say uh, you really do not know what you're doing. Yeah. Mm. And I think... I mean, I've been through that journey, you mm. know, similar. Right? You're probably mm. way more ahead in the journey, but oh. <laughs> I'm on the way. And I get what you're saying about the mess, the noise, and, you know, understanding and learning over time, right? But I think there's one question that a lot of people have is, mm. must you be an investor, right? Does everyone need to be an investor to gather wealth, you know? Or can you actually do it without, without being an investor? I think a lot of times when people talk about wealth building, and they will think about investing. And that is why they realize that for some reasons, they see their friends doing it. It's implied that they need to invest, but they are, sometimes they're not competent and they don't have the time or not willing to actually build out that, that competency. But essentially for a lot of people, right, that's not the only path. I wrote about this thing called, I think the wealthy formula, which is, if you look at a lot of the materials out there, right, to in, in order to build wealth, right, all boys sound to the same thing. Like. You try to earn more. You try to optimize your expenses. When you earn more and optimize your expenses, right, that gap there, right, that's, that's your free cash flow. And then you try to build wealth wisely with this. So for a lot of people, maybe it makes more sense right, that to concentrate on their job because they started off, let's say, on the ground and eventually they climb to, let's say, the C-suite and they might eventually go to a stage where they earn 300,000 and 400,000 a year. So although they earn that, they also have a lot of responsibility and they don't have that time to actually build up that competency. So in this way, right, what is more uh, suitable for them, right, is those kind of passive investments, right, that is more diversified, um, that you're not going to get very outsized returns from individual stock investing, but it takes away a lot of the effort. So in a way, you still need investing, but you don't need to push your money to work that hard. So, so that's why you can see a lot of people that they reach that stage. They know that majority of their money, they are they're made from their job. And then they just don't spend like too crazily. La. And then <laughs> crazily. What, whatever that's left, right, they invest in those kind of insurance and endowment plans because they'll definitely, by that stage, they'll have some insurance advisor 
there and all. And then they will say, hey, it's a good idea to buy this in investment link policy or endowment plans. It's not always the best advice, but largely speaking, it preserves the wealth and it grows at a slow pace. But majority of the growth will be from their careers. Mm. Yeah. So for those people, their main wealth generation is from work. Mm. And then when they look at endowment plans, it's really for preservation. They, they didn't think that way, la, but for a lot of people, uh, mm. it, it ends up like that through the sheer culture of Singapore. La. Yeah. So your take is that, you know, there is a tool for everyone in the investment space. There's a tool for everyone. To look at the investing, we, we look at all the assets, right? They have a, all the assets. They have a certain risk to them. There's a spectrum of risk. Um, some low risk, some very high risk, right? Those that is like higher risk, right? If you put your money in there, right? What you're hoping is that the returns compensate you for taking that risk. Now, there's a third element to it, right? It's effort, all right? You can, you, you can do individual investing, but you need to build up that competency at the start. You always have new money coming in. Let's say you have this person, every year they're going to put in maybe $25,000 a year. So this new money, you have to deploy it. So do you uh, put it inside your in existing individual companies or do you find new ideas? That mm. is work. Yes, I get it. And... I totally understand what you mean by effort because I pick stocks and I get lazy. Mm-hmm. Right? So there will be time but like, I uh, don't know what to pick. Lah. Never mind, lah. take a break. Yeah. So in the, in the grand scheme of the perfect world, right, you're always scouring for good companies. You're always yeah. on the go. You're always you know, finding a better deal. You know? But realistically, unless you're hired to do that day in, day out, you know, we as humans, we do other things. Lah, right? So do you ever get lazy? <laughs> I get lazy all the time. It's like, it's, it's, it's like recently, the, the job demands more from me, right? Then I've learned all these things in the past already. But when it comes to this stage, when it gets busier, right? It's really tough. Like you, you, you depend on other people to give you ideas. And you can still do, do the prospecting. But sometimes it's after you, you stop for a while, right? The muscle gets weaker. And then it becomes more difficult. And that's where, where, where people get more lazy, lazy, lazy. It happens to me as well. Uh. Yeah. That is <laughs> that's, that's very good. At least I, I, feel, I feel better now. <laughs> right, because for a period of time, I was like, wow, I'm not uh. This half a year never do much work. Uh. But, but yeah, no, you know, like you say, effort is a thing. You pick stocks, it takes time. Right? It takes energy. Right, so, okay, let's take a break. And after the break, we will come back and just talk about some of your posts, some of your discussion, you know, on your blog. So, yes, thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you shortly after the break. Welcome back. And I think you definitely write a lot of posts, right? Like, everyone knows you. you know, key from investment modes, yeah, K-Y-I-T-H. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay, you know, we were not going to that, but yes, cool stuff. Mm. And I think one of your posts, you know, um, your advice to 20-something, mm. right? And there are many, many advice inside. One of the main advice is everything compounds, good or bad. Right? Mm. What do you mean by, you know, good or bad? I get that idea from, I think, reading this post from this guy called Blair Livingston. I'm not sure whether he's still, still writing Whether he's still living. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Blair show me, show Livingston, me, me. huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so he was he was um, he was writing about that that it's not just the, the first thing that, that comes into our mind when we talk about compounding is about the monetary stuff, but you, we realize that there's a lot of uh, 
elements of li our life is that compounds as well. There's positive compounding, there's also negative compounding. And some of the good examples of other things that, that compounds as well is like some of your um, habits, your eating habits and, and particular to health, like like even like dental hygiene and, and all. I, I, for, for someone who understands compounding and, and all, I don't have very good teeth teeth as well. It, that, this, is, this is one example of that. You understand compounding for, for the money part, but you really didn't take care of the other portion. It's like, is it that difficult to spend some effort every day to take care of your teeth? Probably mm -hmm. not. Yeah, so that, that's a good example. After a while, you compound all the bacteria inside, build up. All the, this, this will sound very... Gross. Very gross to, 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 to yeah. the audience. It helps to have a good mother, right? A mother every day, and then, 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 then. after 10 years, you, it becomes a habit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? If, if, if you don't have, it's like a mentor, right? If you don't have the mentor or you don't have the coach that always makes sure you do a certain thing, whether or not you comprehend it, then it builds up into a habit and it compounds over time. If you don't have that, then, you know, the yeah. deep fly. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, she didn't <laughs> lack enough of, of the dental hy hy hygiene portion of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but I agree with you on, on, on that. Mm. Nagging to a certain extent built strong habits. Mm, yes, I agree. So what are some of these like habits that you think are beneficial for someone that's starting out? Starting out. Uh, I think uh, building up that curiosity to learn. Mm. To, when you don't know something, how do you go about finding out those kind of things. It's, it's not just about I I investing because there will definitely be some areas where you need, uh, whether it's work-wise and, and all, because a lot of times, uh, if, you, if you had work right, you'll be sent to a lot of those kind of company courses and all. Not saying that they're, they're not good, but I felt that for a lot of times, right, if you're motivated enough and if the question is clear enough for you, right, you could do a lot of work yourself by, by learning about building up these competencies so that you can execute the work at work or even in your personal life and, and all that. So I find that, that reading and knowing how to learn things, that one compounds over That's a very time. powerful compound, right? Yeah. Like you, you, you continue to learn new things and pick up new things and... Yeah, you write extensively about it actually, right? It's like you don't, you don't have an article specifically for it, but somehow every article I read, I uh, got learn something, grow your competency. You know, it's like, okay, every article got this one point, it, it appears, right? So yeah. what, what are some competencies that you feel that you've picked up over the years that has definitely benefited you other than investing? Other than investing, mm. I felt is um, the health, health aspect um, especially if let's say I have a skin problem, it's like, it's like. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You, you have no choice but to learn about all these things. And it sort of like benefits others as well because when you go down this journey, just like, just like investing, you're, you're not just learning about your own problems. These kind of things, it's like the problem might be more deep-seated 
it, it affects uh, other areas as well. So when you go down that path, right, you learn about uh, all this kind of insulin sensitivity, you learn about cholesterol, you learn, learn about how cancer manifested, and everything com compounds up. But a lot of things, it falls back to, to, to that, knowing how, how to learn things, knowing how inside there, inside yourself, how do you ask questions. Mm. Yeah. So how do you then learn things? Like, if you're interested in something, how do you, how do you personally embark on it? You start somewhere. It's like, like um, for you personally. For me, yeah, it's mm. it's more like um, I'm always like trying to reach. Let's say because engineer, man, engineer, what 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 you want is um, to to reach a minimum viable product or. or <laughs> Or the first run, the, the, the first run is like, okay, let's think about uh, what is the framework. Say, for example, like what some of the things that, that I, in my job, I need to learn about that. Universal uh, life insurance or, or those kind of legacy planning. First thing is that you need, what you need to reach is, is that what is the framework to think about uh, universal life or, or legacy planning? Uh, why do people need it in, in the first place? Like what are the basic tools in the first place. So once you learn about this already, then you can go deeper into like, okay, now you start questioning each of these things. Like, okay, now a lot of people talk about, okay, in order to do this, you need to buy universal life insurance policy. Is that really the case or, or not? A lot of times it's about being skeptical enough, not trusting things, the face mm. value of things. Yes. So you start peeling peeling the onion now, uh, one layer, layer until a certain stage where you realize that hey, um, it's like either either you think that most likely you you know majority of it already or that you reach a, a certain dead end already and then you seek experts out uh, you mm. seek those uh, seniors that, that, that understands these things things more here from their perspective so you get more of the the, the, the book stuff but you also try to hear from the real juice. The real, the real juice. Uh. Mm. Both, both sides. Uh, those proponents and those people that, that was quite, quite, quite against mm. it. Against it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think that it's important and even I really struggle to kind of, you know, decipher who is the real deal. Mm. Right? So it's like, mm. like what you say, you peel, you peel. Over time, you learn more and more. You see the different perspectives and mm. sometimes you want to reach out to some people. You want to reach out to people that quote-unquote, more knowing, they know better. And how do you then tell, you know, if this guy is the real deal? What are your matrices? Uh, sometimes, you, honestly, sometimes you won't be able to tell because some people, they're, they're not trying to deceive you, but somewhat they might be... Uh, they just naturally deceiving you. They, 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 <laughs> they never try. They never try. But they just somehow do it. <laughs> it's, it's more like what they, they, they have been taught uh, all this while, right? They think it's correct. Mm -hmm. So then they try to evangelize and tell you that uh, these are certain, some, some of the advantages. So a lot of times is that, is that you only realize that they're either lying or that uh, that's not the right thing, right? After you really share different perspective about it. I think I'm quite a big podcast listener for, for the past few years. And, and a lot of times it's some, some topics like health, right? It can get quite political, uh, in the sense that, uh, um, should you eat, should you, should eat you drink milk, drink milk, yeah, eat eggs, that kind, right? Yeah, you, should you eat a low carb, uh, high fat diet, mm -hmm. and should you, is it okay to eat vegetarian? Then 
even the, the thing about vegetarian is like there's it it can get quite quite political as well. But what I realized is that you try to be open to listen to both sides, to to different to different angles, and you you hear more things, you hear more nuances, right? Then you'll be able to form your opinion. For some topics, it's generally like hard for you to actually like tell what's correct or what's not, not correct. But there'll be definitely be certain aspect where people from both sides will say the same thing. And you know that these things will most likely be the axioms uh, or the truism, uh, this kind of thing. Yeah, then for the rest of it, it's more like, okay, it's, it's an ongoing journey uh, to validate some, some of these things. Okay, yeah. and... So I'm sure you try a lot of things, you see a lot of things, mm. you know, and it like what you say, it's an ongoing journey, right? So currently, what is on your journey? Like, what are some things that you're working on? What are some elements that you're trying to, you know, decipher and be better on? Okay, this one will eliminate those that I need to decipher at work because for <laughs> my a, a large part of my work is trying to make sense of these things that was tasked to me. So personally, it's more like, even for... For wealth building, it's more like I need to find like a steady state because like what I say, if, if you realize that you don't have so much time to actually prospect companies, right? How do you transition to a stage where your money doesn't blow up? All right. You, you have to shift a certain way that you invest. You, you probably have to um, think about how to uh, passively in, invest. So sometimes it's not just like that. You, you just say, oh, I'm going to do it and then I'm going to sell everything and, and then move it over. Because I've been like individual stock investor for don't know how long already. So there is a, a lot of the identity that is tied, tied to it. You have to like wonder whether is it okay for you to just switch to everything. Let's say you buy exchange traded funds and will you re- regret not being able to prospect stocks and all. So there is a middle ground somewhere in the sense that you, you, you can switch to I think 50% uh, doing that and the other portion of things uh, you would have to also change the kind of companies that you prospect as well mm. so that so that it's not like uh, uh, if let's say you go for a holiday uh, five days holiday and then uh, uh, um, something happens and then one of them blows up in, in your face mm. yeah and that's the whole like portfolio management portfolio structuring yeah. angle of things right yeah. and you actually publish your portfolio fully yeah. You know, yeah. on, on, on your website, right? Yeah. Investment mode. So everybody that wants to see his portfolio can go there and see. <laughs> but I think more importantly is why do you even do that? Like a lot of people, they don't publish their portfolio. I think, I think it's more like, the, the reason why I started it because I created that free Google spreadsheet that to actually help people monitor their portfolios based on transaction because you realize back then, I think, I forgot, was it 2013 or 2011, right? Um, um, I actually wanted to do that. that. That sounds like the most sensible things, how you monitor your portfolio. You just add buy, sell, dividend, splits, all, all these transactions. But there wasn't a, such a spread, spreadsheet out there. So, so I, I thought, uh, let me, let me try, to, try to create it. Lord. And then I created it. And I was thinking, I can show a sample portfolio. Then I was thinking, why not just show your actual portfolio? So it, it's been like that for a while. It's not like because I want to like shen yao to put my port- portfolio out, out uh, there. Yeah. To prove to your, you know, uh, once a year meet up classmates. <laughs> like, hey, actually, okay, okay, my <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, and, and I see from your portfolio, so mm. I went to look at your portfolio that, you know, you're quite vested, you know, not just in Singapore, but abroad. Yeah. Right? So you have Hong Kong, 
you have US. So a lot mm. of Chinese and you know, uh, US exposure, right? Yeah. So how do you get there? Do you start in the US or where do you start it? I started more in Singapore. Mm. Um, um, I've always been in the proud of Singapore. It's probably in about three, probably three years ago when you start venturing into Hong Kong because you realize, um, firstly, I think Hong Kong is, is quite a com- country that is similar to Singapore in terms of their tax, tax regimes. They, uh, for the, those that is domiciled in Hong Kong, they don't have dividend withholding tax. They don't have estate, uh, estate duty as, as well. And a lot of the companies, they, they provide quite good dividend yields. And, and, and also that, that was uh, a, a good area to, to, to look, look into. But there's always like a lot of like resistance because oh, it's, you, you, you need to build up another school of knowledge about the companies over there. But you try to do it over time. You, if you have the time, you try to do it over time. The US portion is only recently, I think in the March period. That, that was when, when March happens, right? Then you realize that you made a fatal mistake in terms of investing because you're always like trying to find whether um, my style in investing is that you if you're investing for long term if you're buying the companies when when it goes down right you need to make sure that they are able to sustain if you look forward about two to three years right they're gonna turn around they, they're gonna be okay then when i look at that period i realized that hey, um, there will always be the doubt in your head whether these companies will be able to survive or not, or, or whether uh, how long it's going to take. Then it sort of like snap a little bit that you're looking at things the wrong way because you have always been finding those companies that have been growing earnings and all. And those companies that have been doing well for, for a large part is in the US. So why are you like, like, like so, so enamored and so focused on, on, on this area? So that was when like, you frantically try to build up their competency in their other areas. Lah. So it's a learning process mm. yeah, because different mm. markets, they have their different, different characteristics. Okay, yeah. so you started in Singapore, went to Hong Kong, and then yeah. now you're in the US. Yeah. And from what you just said about being very enamored about investing in Singapore, because I think mm. a lot of um, the younger audience, right, when I talk to them, um, it's quite polarizing like, uh, for people mm. that believe in investing abroad then it's like US mm. right? right. And for, mm. for those that are like you know they just want to invest locally right? mm. so, so what are your thoughts when you, when you want to share with them like where, where should they start you know and given the current market sentiments right? so I'm very pro US huh? mm. right? and, and China mm. right? because I think that is where the growth machines are mm. right? so, uh, you mm. should see I personally think you should see um, the next decade of growth in these two areas predominantly mm. okay Right, so so that's why that's my thesis, and mm. uh, that's why I, I venture to these places, right? But what are your thoughts? If someone wants to start investing, do you think they should be in Hong Kong, Singapore, or they should be in the US? I think, I think first opinion they, uh, opinion based. Uh, it's not <laughs> advice. I want to give you a caveat. Uh, so uh, this uh, is for entertainment only. Uh. <laughs> I think must say one, must say. Uh, okay, any companies that I mentioned here, <laughs> right? It's for opinion, <laughs> entertainment, discussion only. Uh. It's not an advice. Yeah, uh, it, <laughs> it should not be construed as, a, 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 as, as, as a an advice. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Feel free to share your thoughts. Feel free to share your perspective. I'm sure people are interested to hear. I think uh, Singapore is quite challenging in, in a certain sense. It used to be, um, you still have more companies. The good companies delisted. Um, in not say in the last few years, gradually over time, it's 
it's like those good businesses, they, they know that they, they're not going to get such good valuations. So, and if you list, there's a listing, li- listing cost. So a lot of them, they weigh the pros and cons, right? And then they decided to delist. Some of them, they went over to, to, to Hong Kong and, and all that. But I think firstly, um, for the new investors, they need to think a little bit about their strategies. Even let's say, whether you're doing growth investing or value investing, right? Um, you need to know like what kind of companies that you're hunting for. So I find that if let's say this pond is so small, right, um, then it, it might not make sense to actually start learning from there. You, if you want, you can learn in Hong Kong or you can learn in, in US. U, US is quite, quite, quite established already. The, the good thing about US for a long time is I think because it's developed, it's there, there's a governance, they, they have bad, better governance there. If you're bothering about Singapore and Hong Kong, right, or e- even not just these countries, we call these the emerging market countries, right, that governance aspect is something that you need to, need, need to bother about. Because for, for some strategies, you, over in the US, you can concentrate your portfolio. You can have, let's say, two, for some people, they have two or three, 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 three stocks and all. In some of these are other countries, unless you're buying, let's say, those blue chips that it's like, has been mispriced, right? For a lot of those smaller companies, there is always that element is, is that, uh, are things real or not? Because you're not owner operator, meaning you say that uh, if you're owner inside those companies, right? You have a sensing like, like, like whether um, things are gonna turn very, very badly or not. But because you're not there, right? Even though no matter how much work you, you do, right? You cannot eliminate that kind of risk. So in, in summary, to me, is that this pond is a bit smaller. If you like <laughs> real estate investment trusts or those kind of yielding things, right? Singapore is like, it looks quite established in this area. So for those people that needs income or that they felt that the real estate in investment trust, it's like you focusing on one sector mm. and then learning that sector. There's nothing wrong with that. It's like sometimes it's quite good because when it comes to real estate, everyone is, is living in one. They would know the buy to rent concept. And it's just a, a step up to, to learn how people do it in the portfolio. So it is an area where people can easily deepen their competency mm. there mm. and do, do rather decently. But yeah. if let's say you're working on some other strategies, right? And all, then maybe that might not be, be the ideal. Mm. Opinion, uh, opinion, yes. And yeah. are you concerned about information in the sense that, because I, you know, I, I, I started in the US. So I invested oh, right. in the US right from the get-go. Mm. And when I came back, right, when I was trying to bring some money back and just mm. kind of see what's around here, mm. and I realized the information is not very open in the sense that um, companies here don't really give you the breakdown like they, they give you like, oh, this is my yearly revenue. Mm. And they will tell you, oh, briefly, we are in this business, this business, this is, but they don't exactly give you the breakdown as to, you know, like, let's say, I'll just talk about, let's sell beer, one, right? okay, Malaysia, right. I think has Carlsberg, right? Yeah. Um, they give me their revenue, right? Every, every year growing, 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 but they never tell me like, which beer brand is bringing how much. Ah, okay. Right? So it doesn't give me the uh, uh, understanding of, okay, so what's going on? Are, the, are, the, are there big brands anchoring their business and are their growth brands really growing to show it? But in the US, you know, it's very common. They will give you the breakdown in much more detail. You know, in a pharma company, they will tell you which, which, which brand is doing 
you know, how, how are they doing? What's their growth strategy? There's, there's, there's so much more information, you know, it's so much clearer. You know, what, what, what do you think? Is, is that an issue here? I, I think because it's, that place is more, more established and a lot of information you probably, I think it's a mixture. Lah. Um, but it tends to lean more closer to, to the part where it's not as comprehensive as what they review in, in, in the US. But you also see that, let's say some companies, right, they also like, it's not talking about brands, but they're actually like compartmentalizing it into certain certain uh, segments. They're, they're not segregating them based on brands. So in that regards, right, it's almost the same because over here, the companies, they might put them into, let's say, property investment, property construction. And then this is, let's say, their medical devices for some reason, uh, property investment <laughs> will mix with yeah, yeah, yeah. medical device. So you got mixed with newspaper one, right? Yeah, got, Sing- got, got, Singapore got, got, property got, holdings, you know that company? Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, by the way, it's uh, the press holdings, like, they, they owe a lot of properties. Yeah. Right? So, okay, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, and maybe just to sum up our session, hmm. um, are there any segments that you're looking at? Are there any investment areas that you're trying to you know grow more off just to give everybody a decent idea because I'm sure they can go and read your blog there's tons <laughs> of things there you know there's a lot of good stuff by the way guys yeah so I just want to hear from you personally you know where are you seeing uh, your investments heading towards I think the the idea will be like I used to be quite concentrated so right now I think the idea is actually to be more diversified so that uh, you diversify away all the idiosyncratic risk, mm. yeah, and, and uh, which is those, those risks that is pertaining to certain companies. If one company blow up, then your whole investment blow, blow up and, and, and also that is quite aligned to that. Uh, I don't have the time or that. Maybe I really don't want to spend so much effort just looking into some of these things. Then personally, I think in terms of stocks, right, you you still be looking. I'll still looking more in the Hong Kong and the U.S. space and all. So a lot of the companies that you'll be focusing on would be those companies that I'll invest more of the effort upfront um, to make sense of it and most of the effort upfront. Then over time, it's more of the monitoring. Uh, mm. um, um, so, so I'll, I'll go for those, those, those companies compared to, let's say, those kind of um, Graham-style strategies where you're looking for those mis- mispricing, sudden mis- mispricing um, that you realize that yeah, actually they're actually worth much more. But mm. uh, you just wait for the catalyst and, and then to, to, to turn over. Yeah. Last time I used to do a, a lot of those, those kind of things. So not sure whether I'll still get itchy. I think I'll probably still get <laughs> I'm itchy. I'm sure you will lah, la, yeah. really. Pao <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. This really. is your core, this is your base, you'll get there. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Fun- fundamentally, um, I think I just want to chime in that mm. good companies can keep getting better. You know, uh, peak prices can keep peaking. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's not always about finding the turnaround, not always finding about the, the value, the misplaced, you know, uh, pricing because mm. those things do get a little jittery and we can definitely have you on again to chat more. Sure. But I think to sum up, uh, what Keith essentially just shared with us is as time passes, your lifestyle changes, your strategies will change, your mm. financial practices will change, but mm. learn the core, learn the basics and read his blog. <laughs> so yes. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for coming on and I'll see you soon again. Bye-bye. Thanks all, Reggie. I 
hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our social, sign up for weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have any interesting thoughts to share or you know someone interesting that you want us to hear from or you want everyone to get to know, reach out to us through hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. Woohoo! So I hope you learned something interesting. I think he writes a lot and his blogs are blog posts are pretty good, honestly. So um we didn't really go too deep into the whole investment thing because I think he really wrote a lot of stuff and we have a lot of other guests that will come on and talk about investments, right? So I, I thought I'm gonna get him on to talk a little bit more about retirement, what's his perspective and I think uh, pretty cool stuff hope you learned something useful um, next week alright so next week we got a very popular individual finally right so next week Freddie is coming on right Freddie from Stash Away the CIO uh, we have went on a journey around the world when we were interviewing him right so we talk about everything from US to China Japan Europe Singapore you know um, disruptors all, all the stuff and many of the questions that you guys asked for we've actually asked him straight away so yeah it'll be fun next week um, in this whole pursuit of starting well I think he's a great guest to start the year with so we'll see you next week mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market 